1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out with me. Uh, missed out on having you on the 4th of July. Um, you had some family stuff, which makes sense. It's a holiday. Um, but uh, glad to have you back in studio. How was your 4th? It was great. Good. Uh, what would you guys do? Would you, you cook out? You Just, do all that kind yeah, of stuff? Yeah, usually uh, traditional nice. kind of stuff. Do you cook hanging. at this point, or do you sit back and watch other people cook? I, I, I do barbecue. Okay. For the 4th, did you or no? I think yeah. Oh, nice. Okay. Uh, what's your? Um... I like to I like to get steaks or burgers. Okay. Right. I I had steak last. It was crazy. Uh, last I'm not night... as good with chicken. Yeah, I'm not good with chicken. I uh, mean, uh, I I either undercook it or overcook it. Last night I got home and we had bought steak, um, but obviously I worked the fourth, so we just kind of froze it. Um, and uh, Betty made it on the grill. Yeah. And so I got home last night to grilled steak and it was amazing. Uh, but awesome. Uh, there's lots of stuff to talk about in the world of politics. Uh, we were talking about this before uh, the break, um, before the news, that Trump has finally said the thing that I think he probably should have been saying for a while. Not that it will matter. Uh, everyone that wants to ignore him will ignore him. And you have a different take on this than, than I do. Uh, but Trump has said that they should wait until after the uh, 2024 election to go after him in court for the classified documents thing. And there's a bunch of reasons that makes sense. Uh, first and foremost, Hunter Biden is an easy example to use. Uh, that investigation took five years and several of the times in which the whistleblower is now not the whistleblower who's hidden in another country, by the way. I love the fact that people are saying the whistleblower about some of the stories we're discussing and then um, misrepresenting which whistleblower on which Biden issue is being discussed because uh, there's a guy who still works at the IRS and is here in the United States uh, that blew this whistle and said that even during the process of investigating him... It's a little troubling that there are so many whistleblowers, <laughs> don't you think? Sure. I think that's true in and of itself. But uh, as they were investigating... Remember, they always said we should we have to listen to the whistleblowers and, as, and assume that they're correct. We, you, that's, we were told that for a long time. Yeah. And now all of a sudden we're not. Uh, but no, um, uh, that whistleblower, uh, the one who's still here and still works for the IRS, uh, was saying that that was when he first started to get friction in how he went about his job or how the people above him went about their jobs. And the answer was that it was the 2020 election. And so I don't understand why that simplistic rule, if it actually exists, which it should, uh, can't also exist here. I, I just I don't get that. I, I don't think that that's uh, one side of the aisle. I don't think that I could uh, I would feel any different if I voted a different way in my life, um, allowing the American people to choose who the president should be uh, based on whoever the leading candidates are. Make sense and having a investigation from the Department of Justice and then, you know, uh, all the other things that have happened and actually indicting him and whatnot. That feels to be interference in our election. Yes. OK. Uh, what else would you want to say about this? No, I agree with you. OK. Um, the fact that they're treating two different people mm -hmm. out in the open completely differently tells you everything you need to know. And they're doing a lot of that now. Because... And it's not just two different people. It's Trump and everybody over here. Sure. Who has, you know, allegedly committed the kind of crimes that they have accused him of. And mm -hmm. by the way, I just want to remind everybody that the Russia collusion turned out to be wrong, mm -hmm. which is sure. a polite way of saying it. Yeah, inaccurate, sure. Uh, all of those, all of those things that they've accused him of all the way through mm -hmm. during impeachment, what have you, all turned out 
not to be true. Can I ask you the most simplistic question about Trump? And we don't need to dive into the details of all the other news out there. And then we'll, we'll move on because sure. I want to ask you about Janet Yellen and how she behaved <laughs> while she was in China. Um, but before we get to that, all the bowing, there was a lot of bowing. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing. That felt real weird. Well, you um, remember when Obama was was bowing to uh, foreign sure. heads of state? Sure. Yeah, it's not it's not a good look. It's uh, not American. States. It's not American. I mean, um, you're you're giving the world an illustration that we are we America are subservient to others, well, and and, I, and and we're supposed to be a powerful country, and and you're you're yeah. you're physically showing. You know, the opposite. I want to I want to um, dovetail on what you just said there. So, we'll, well, I guess we'll put a pin in the question I want to ask you about Trump, um, because here in this country, some people who uh, say support uh, the current administration or, or the Obama administration or whoever it might be, might think it's no big deal. Might be like, ah, bowing, who cares? The way that it's perceived by other countries throughout the world is much more significant than the way we ourselves yeah. perceive the mistake. And that's why we're not supposed to do that kind of stuff, because China can utilize those moments. Uh, just think of it this way. When you see a loop of what someone says in a talking head uh, television station, whether it's left, right, middle, if that even existed ever. Um, but if you see that loop and you think, hey, that's not the whole thing, that's not all the context. Or even when, say, Trump said something and they looped just the portion that news media thought this was the worst moment. We're going to take all the context out. We're just going to give you that. Uh, that's what countries like China will do with the image of Janet Yellen bowing uh, to uh, them. And that will be a significant thing in a lot of places, even if here in the United States, it feels like it's not as big of a story as it should be. Um, uh, real quick, I do want to ask you the question. So you know what I find fascinating? And I was having a, a conversation last week, and I've talked about it a few times on the show, with a buddy of mine who's definitely um, on the left, uh, definitely fairly on the left on a wide variety of issues. And sometimes he, he almost spits out talking points to me. And I have to be like, man, are you aware that that's a talking point? Like, if you dove deeper into this thing you're saying? Uh, but when it gets to Trump, it's it's a absolutely never, no way, horrible human being. How could anyone support that person? Uh, that sentimentality, that mindset, how is that overcome if it exists as significantly as some say it does um, for Trump to win in an actual general election? Uh, are there people uh, that you think would be changing their opinion about Trump based on what's been going on over the last uh, six months, a year or so, because I'm, I'm not certain that those individuals like my friend uh, would ever have an open mind uh, to Trump. Not that they would have an open mind to DeSantis or someone else. That's not the point of this. I'm just simply asking, do you think that what's happened has opened any of those eyes? I think that's happening every day. Uh, we're seeing evidence of it. People are being uh, re repelled and repulsed by this two-tier justice system. People are getting an education in just how bad it is. You were talking off the air about that. Mm -hmm. That that you had no idea, and most of us had no idea, that this was so upside down, right? Well, here, I, I want to clarify, because you, you uh, brought up something we were talking about off the air, and I want to give a uh, full context to it. Uh, what, I, what I was saying was that I don't think that it's ever been done in a way that's so obvious uh, should be the way that well, I say it. There, there's literal comparisons. The, the classified documents in and of itself, we actually have other people who currently are accused of doing the same thing. Yeah. Granted, with shades of gray is what they tell us, but still they had classified documents they shouldn't have. And somehow Trump's the only person who's going to be held accountable for that. Even Mike Pence 
is getting a, ah, it'll be fine. You get a jail, out of jail free card. Well, there was the Clinton Sox case. Obama had, uh, had sure. classified documents holed up in, and sure. maybe, I think he still does in some storage unit in Chicago so, area. What I mean by not understanding the, the depth of the problem, I mean it's specific to Trump, not necessarily yeah. the unfairness that's long existed in the world of if you have a D in front of your name, treated better by media and certain bureaucracies than if you have an R in front of your name. Well, people used to think, I remember years ago, when Rush Limbaugh started talking about that specifically, that the media treated Democrats different than Republicans, yeah. and people kind of would roll their eyes. And then as the years went by, a- after he had started to broach that subject and talk about it on a regular basis, then it was almost like people were alerted to paying attention to it, and sure. it started to become more obvious. Yeah. And a, I think it really started to become more obvious when Bill Clinton was in office, and sure. they could see that he could get away with anything. Yeah, he can lie under oath, and that's totally fine. And, and, but Witness tamper. Yeah, and uh, they would they would make excuses for him. Sure. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's been going on for a long time. Mm-hmm. I just think that it's been ramped up to a place where they can't hide it anymore, and that's why you're saying it's never been done at this level. So I, I want to give you two examples. So the, the thing going on with Hunter Biden is not new. To me, that feels like stuff we've seen probably for a long time before. And what I mean by that is not only the way in which uh, the Justice Department has chosen to be so incredibly lenient on Hunter Biden in a way that makes very little sense to a lot of regular people, uh, but the way in which this conversation is talked about by media. And this is something that might be missed by a lot of people. Uh, I was talking about it yesterday. Right now, uh, the U.S. attorney uh, that did the investigation, that's Trump appointed is what everybody keeps saying, uh, even though he was overwhelmingly nominated by uh, everybody uh, on the vote. I know Trump actually did, um, you know, put his name up there, uh, but it was one of those ones where only like five or six people uh, voted no uh, to the individual. So Democrats liked him. Uh, Democrats still, I assume, like him. Uh, but the point I'm trying to make is he is saying the whistleblower is lying. And if you listen to some media they behave as though this attorney has to be telling the truth. Uh, the, the subcontext to uh, attorney David Weiss said again that, that he was uh, allowed to do whatever he wanted in this investigation. The whistleblower is saying he wasn't and that he was told directly by uh, this person that he wasn't. And so we don't know uh, who's telling the truth. Two people are giving us different stories. You weren't there. I wasn't there. A news media wasn't there. But that's the regular version of of one-sided representation of a conversation is pretending as though um, hinting to the audience or just blatantly saying that that's been rejected, that's thrown out because this guy says it's a lie, uh, even though, again, we right. don't know that. Well, truth. you know, the, the media and you and I have talked about this before. Um, the media is different than it was decades ago. Sure. Where they presented you with inf- now, granted, there was still bias back then, bias by omission. They decided what they didn't want you to know, and that's something that's going on here to a certain extent. But um, you know, getting back to your original point, I think uh, your point about how does Trump convince people that are so against him? I think that uh, to a certain degree. Some of that has slowly started to take place, and it and it's not necessarily with examples like Hunter Biden and Trump. It's with watching the Department of Justice, the FBI, knock on the door of the mother of a student who got up in front of a school board and complained about the curriculum that was being taught to her child, and they say, why is the FBI 
going to Mrs. Smith's house because she complained about a book that she thought sure. had, you know, uh, uh, inappropriate stuff in it. Yeah. That's not a crime. It's not a crime to stand no, up. to have an opinion and, is not a and, crime. That's right. But right. people see that, and that's what scares them because that's their neighbor. Sure. That's somebody they can relate to. If they can do that to them, sure. they can do, do that, that to me. Them. And yeah. what are they accomplishing by doing that? The FBI, the department, what they're doing is they're passively, aggressively silencing other people like Mrs. Smith, who stood up in front of the school board because they say, I'm not going to complain because I don't want them auditing my taxes sure. or coming after me or have DCFS come and take my child away. Well, so that's where people are saying, you know what? I don't like Trump's personality. I don't like the mean tweets. Mm -hmm. But he represents things that we need to put a clamp down on. By the way, anyone who's hearing what Mark is saying is like, well, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. There's actually yet another whistleblower who's also not hiding in some other foreign country who said that about the FBI. And that's someone who worked at the FBI, that they were targeting people based on religious prosecution, based on all different kinds of things in those worlds. Well, of don't you remember the schools. stories that we heard that were related during the pandemic where in certain states, I think Wisconsin was one of them, yeah. where there were actually law enforcement coming to people's doors because they were going out in public without a mask on. Sure. And and that's not a law. No, it's it not. It never yeah. was a right. law. And there they were can't countries... throw you in jail. Let me ask you it this way, and then we'll take a break. And you can noodle it, and the audience can noodle it. But that scares people. Sure. Because that's like, that's like Germany during the 30s and the right. 40s. Right. Um, that's, that's... Or Australia during the pandemic, because a lot yes. of that happened, even China during the New pandemic. New Zealand as well. Yeah, New Zealand are, as well. And this is America. This isn't the other countries. Right. It's not supposed okay? to be. Yeah, I wanted to say this, because it's something that dawns on me, even as you and I chat. You know what's interesting is if you're someone on a certain side of the political aisle and you hear words like deep state, you dismiss them. You go, that's ridiculous, that's silly, that's a crazy, that doesn't, you know, that's no way that that could exist at all. But I wonder if you're someone who believes that every single whistleblower, and there are multiple, that has come forward in the last six months is being somehow convinced to come forward and lying, even though these are people that are putting their own personal careers in line. Uh, all of them are lying. In some, in some cases, their personal safety. Their personal safety, too, as they've said, um, and, and, that of their, and that of their families. But so I ask the simple question, how is that different than the accusation of the deep state? If someone on the left is to believe that the right is capable of forcing so many career people uh, to just go lie in front of uh, Congress and, and say, I'm whistleblowing on the IRS or I'm whistleblowing on the FBI, um, isn't that the identical um, accusation that's made uh, by a conservative, by the right, or at least by Trump, in the world of how power influences how people behave? If so many of these whistleblowers are lying and can be dismissed and everything they say is crap, uh, then someone convinced them to tell that story. Uh, they didn't just wake up one day like, I'm going to lie to everybody for the fun of it. Uh, so who convinced them and why? And it dawns on me that essentially there's now actually a parallel ideology uh, on both sides of the aisle that think that someone is capable of influencing people to do certain things. And I'm just sort of amused by it. I'm just throwing I'm not saying that I'm trying to tinfoil hat myself here. I'm just amused by the idea that all of the whistleblowers. And as I said, there's there's many more than one and many more than the guy who's apparently uh, hiding out in a foreign country. Um, there, there are several. Uh, they all have to be lying. And they all have to have been convinced to lie by someone. 
Uh, who was that? Mark, I don't know if you want to respond. No, you, 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 you're, you're putting it out there perfectly. <laughs> it's, it's, I just find that amusing. It's the people who are calling you a conspiracy theorist, not yeah. you personally. Sure are actually creating their own conspiracy theory. Right, and what's actually funny about that is I'm not necessarily a guy who believes the first conspiracy theory, and now I'm supposed to believe the second one for right. the other team. Well, you it's know, very that, confusing. it's a very, very interesting thing <laughs> that the media does mm -hmm. where they manipulate people. Sure. And I've talked about this manipulation before. Yeah. And many, many, many people... Mm -hmm have been manipulated, all of us have been manipulated sure. at, at some point to some degree, Yes. some more than others. But after it, but what's happening in this case with you mm -hmm. is you're recognizing you, you've reached a threshold where <laughs> you have these dueling conspiracy well, theory I just, I just, yeah. accusations yeah. and you're, it's like snapped you out of this manipulation. Right. Yeah. Well, it's certainly entertaining to think that both sides are making the same argument just about the other team. One Quick of break. them has to be wrong. And one of them has to be right. Yes. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. My wife, Betty, just stepped in studio. Yes. Yeah, see, Mark's very happy about it. Uh, my wife, Betty, just stepped in studio to give Mark a bobblehead of Roger Maris. Yeah. You went to the Yankee series at, at Bush Stadium against the Cardinals and on Saturday night, mm -hmm. they gave away a Roger Maris bobblehead. Yeah. Very. Uh, cleverly placed promotion because it was against the Yankees and Maris mm -hmm. hit the 61 home runs mm -hmm. with the Yankees. And then he spent the last two years of his career with the Cardinals yeah. on two Cardinal teams that went to the World Series, one of them winning in 1967. Correct. So the bobblehead actually has him taking off the Yankee uniform and under the Yankee uniform is the Cardinal uniform yes. where he finished his career, as you said. Uh, we got some extra ones because they actually gave that out during the day game. And then because of the rain delay and everything, people just abandoned them. So we found like really? a, a couple extra ones. Yeah, I found a couple extra ones. So I kept the one with the, the terrible box. I don't understand what people are thinking nice when they do something like that. Because know. maybe they don't like bobbleheads. But here's the thing about that. Okay, number one, if you don't want your bobble, if you ever go to a game, certainly if you go to a game in St. Louis, and you don't want the bobblehead they gave away or some other promotional item, there are people standing across the street buying them for like 10 or 5 bucks. Yeah. So you can at least make a couple of bucks if you don't want to keep it. Sure. And then because they go and resell them for 30 or $40. Well, yeah, because you, you can actually just sell it online but here's the other and thing. make even more money. And here's the other thing about that. If you go to a game... And this is true of any team where they're giving away a, a promotional item like a bobblehead or a woman's handbag or some, you know, some such thing that the Cardinals do. Usually the ticket for that game is a little pricier mm -hmm. than for the garden variety Monday night game. Sure. So if you're spending extra money to get in, get the thing, keep the promotional item. And right. if you don't want it, give it to your nephew, give it to your son, mm -hmm. give it to your daughter. Give but, it to but, Mark Strauss on the radio. Well, I mean, don't <laughs> leave it there. Right. Yeah, we, we took it. They, they And they left the boxes, and they were getting yeah. rained down and stuff, so the boxes were getting yeah. beat up. Yeah. And we looked around. There was nobody around. And I was like, all right, what uh, did, we're going to take it. What did you do with your bobblehead? So my bobblehead is at home, out of the box, just sitting. Um, it's near. On your desk or something? Well, no. It's it's near the area where I keep my Yankee stuff, but it's off to the side because it's got a cardinal thing and not just a Yankee now, you, thing. Now, you, you know my wife. There are certain bobbleheads. If they're too lifelike, it's it spooks her. <laughs> it's fantastic. Like she likes a bobblehead of a, yeah. you know, like uh, I used to have. It, it broke. It fell off a shelf, but it was a it was a cardinal bobblehead, and it was you know the bird's head. So mm -hmm. that didn't spook her. 
But if you, but if, if you, it looks too much like a guy, if it looks too realistic. Mm. That makes sense, actually. I get it. I, I like you know, like Chucky's head. That's what I was thinking. I saw the Chucky movies as a kid, and I should not have seen the Chucky movies as a kid. That wasn't my mom's fault. I think other people made that happen. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just uh, what I think is interesting about everything you just said there, and then the promotional items and everything about it is I had a really great experience uh, at uh, Bush Stadium watching all three games. I thrilled to watch all three because the rain delay. And you often uh, brag about the Cardinals and the Cardinal experience. And we stayed for three days and had a really, really good experience. Yeah. So it hurts a little bit because I've, I've been to several games at Yankee Stadium, the new one and the old one. And um, I didn't leave with as much money. Whenever I go to Yankee <laughs> Stadium, you don't wind up walking away thinking, like, yeah, that wasn't that bad. Uh, things weren't that bad. Uh, let's get to some of the news. Uh, I thought this was interesting. Uh, this is something we were just talking about uh, off the air. And I just want to play the open to this. Uh, this is a 23-minute or so uh, video that you can find online. Uh, it went all over on um, Twitter, and it's on YouTube. I doubt it'll be on Threads, uh, the brand new um, Meta Company product. I don't think it'll land no, there. No, because of the sensor. You know, hey, by the way, I right. found this out yesterday. Mm-hmm. Do you know a lot of people who got fired from Twitter got hired at Threads? <laughs> Makes sense. The same people that were censoring us on Twitter are now over at the other side, doing yeah. the same thing. Right, and I'm, I'm sure it'll be interesting to see whatever the war is between uh, Elon and Zuckerberg uh, for uh, Twitter and th- I don't know. Uh, but anyway, I just want to play the open because what I found fascinating about this. The accusation being made by a doctor uh, in front of uh, Parliament in the UK. It's Dr. David Martin. Dr. David Martin. Very, is the name. very high integrity individual. Sure. Um, the accusation is that essentially um, pharmaceutical companies got greedy, that money became more important via patents, that patenting certain types of discoveries in the world of medicine is not necessarily good for humans. It might be good for uh, money making. Uh, individuals, but it's not necessarily uh, for the greater good for you and I as, as people. And so that's an argument he, I guess he's long had in the UK. And that's the reason they have asked him to sit down and talk. And I know a lot of people who watch this whole video are finding a lot of other information uh, that he shares compelling. Well, but one, I, one of the pieces of information yeah. that he shared, which absolutely blew me away, was when the patents for the COVID vaccine actually came about so i will throw this out and i know you um tell me that there are companies that say these sort of things and they say it for certain reasons they are trying to uh, discredit uh, that stance they are saying that well they have to (laughs) they're saying any of the previous coronavirus vaccines were really specific to other animal coronaviruses and not uh, sars cov2 the thing that wound up existing in 2019 but i think that's sort of a semantic argument because i don't even totally know uh, that dr martin was trying to say um on and I maybe I missed that part on its face that the exact um, uh, illness uh, was well known about several years ago. I think he was saying the chain of events that caused uh, COVID-19 was obvious years ago, not not being as specific as to what the inevitable actual like uh, makeup of the virus itself was. But I, I just want to play the open to this because I found it fascinating because uh, the things that he says are about how he used to be a, a typical guest on some of the left-leaning, is how I describe them, uh, news stations that exist right here in the United States. And then when COVID happened, and when he started to share his expert opinion of COVID, uh, he no longer was a guest in those places, <laughs> no longer liked by those places, and actually said he received a lot of, of vitriolic um, responses to what he was saying from people that had considered themselves fans of his up until this moment. But it, it's interesting. He also talks about, as I just said, his fear uh, that the financial component to discoveries in the world of medicine 
is doing more harm to people than good. During that conversation that was hosted at the time by the Green and EFA and a number of the other parties of the European Union's uh, various representations, we were having a conversation on whether Europe should adopt the United States policy of allowing for the patents on biologically derived materials. And at the time, I urged this body and I urged people around the world that the weaponization of nature against humanity had dire consequences. Tragically, I sit here today um, with that unfortunate line that I don't like to say, which I told you so. But the fact of the matter is we're here not for a reprisal on past decisions. We're here to actually once again come to the face of the human condition and ask the question, who do we want to be? What do we want humanity to look like? I want to I want to interpret what I think he's saying in that uh, statement there at the end. He's essentially asking uh, those who might benefit from a financial gain in the world of some of the decisions that are made in places like here in the United States or there in the U.K., uh, if they really want to be proud of, of that version of life uh, that gets created through those decisions and through the temptation, because uh, he said it there is temptation, of uh, sweet, sweet cash is how I say it all the time on the show, because companies could see uh, the inevitable uh, money-making opportunity, uh, however much you want to get upset or deny it or say that that's a tinfoil hat uh, guy speaking. Um, Pfizer made a crap ton of money. A ton of money, uh, and they made it because even when they were giving out the vaccine for free to me or whoever else took it, uh, they were not giving that out for free to the government. They were getting paid uh, for their vaccines. Your tax dollars paid for that. Right. So all of the companies that were on a quest to find a vaccine for uh, COVID or for anything that could wind up being the next um, you know, a scare it in our society. It was guaranteed money. Guaranteed income. So no one did that out of the kindness of their heart like you had a 100 years ago or so when people tried to figure out how to solve uh, the world's problems in the world of medicine. And so that's essentially a part of the argument. He goes a lot of other places. And as I said, uh, there are people who find a lot of what he says compelling. And as you mentioned, uh, Dr. Um, David Martin has a a good reputation and had a great reputation with the people who now hate him up until a few years ago. Uh, but it's just fascinating to me to consider that component, even if you don't go as far as to um, find intention in how we got to where we were, uh, meaning uh, that no one purposefully caused uh, a vaccine. Not that I totally agree with that. I think China did uh, make a vaccine or make a, a illness in a lab. Uh, but if you don't think that the companies uh, were behind uh, the creation of something to make money off of it, uh, you still wonder if the end result that uh, David Martin is talking about is bad for all of humanity, that there are dollar signs at the tail end of, of helping people, and especially helping people in such a unique way. I'm not talking about the hospital down the street making money when you become sick with a more regular thing. I'm talking about the pharmaceutical company making money when the entire world is afraid of a, a unique thing. I don't know what you want to say to that. Well, uh, I think it, in listening to this presentation that dr david martin gives and like craig said you can find this on youtube because that's where i think he's playing it from yep um and this was pretty recent four days ago yeah um he's talking to again eu parliament member not not the entire parliament but members of the parliament correct um so he's trying to impress upon them he was asked to speak yeah uh 
But I also think that in speaking to the EU Parliament at this event, he was also trying to get a message out to other doctors and medical people that, uh, and I'm just paraphrasing my own thoughts on what he said during this presentation mm-hmm. and, and the clip you just played, sure. which is you can't just run with the traffic on something like this. You've got to look around and make sure that what you're doing as a doctor, as a caregiver, is the right thing. And and not just take the word yeah. of who's supplying the antidote. You, you sure. can't just put it in people's arms and say, oh, they told me this is going to work for you. Yeah. You've got to know that. Well, and I want to be specific You've about something. You've got to do your homework. Yeah, and I, I want to be specific about something as I, I listen to you and I discuss this, and I know that people are going to try to have wild crazy takes as to what we are saying that we're not saying. Well, they, they should listen to the whole interview because that's <laughs> one of the problems sure. that you have here is you don't have time to play no, the whole I can't. thing. Right, you're right. It's 20 minutes long. Yes, I would, I would have to skip a, a bunch of segments of the show. But one thing I, I do want to say, and this is more about the, the uh, philosophical conversation we're talking about in the world of medicine, the medical community, specifically pharmaceutical companies, uh, I don't uh, begrudge or think it's wrong at all if doctors make a lot of money. I think doctors should make a lot of yeah. money. I think that's a hard job. It's a hard job to get. It's a hard job to be good at. I think there's a bunch of reasons that the amount of money that exists in the world of medicine itself is not necessarily bad. It's actually, in fact, good uh, for the quality of care we get here in the United States compared to other places. Uh, so if anyone is hearing me or Mark say something and thinking that what we mean by that is that uh, all uh, financial gain in the world of medicine is bad, and I'm not saying that you said that or I said that. I know what people try to hear. Uh, that's completely not true. At the same token, and I think at the heart of what uh, Dr. David Martin is saying that I found most uh, compelling is there needs to be some more checks and balances into a system uh, that might not necessarily be barreling toward uh, greater good he, as far talking, as what it's, what's he, happening. He's talking about being responsible. Right. A, a boiling it down to one word, he's talking about being responsible. Yes, correct. Desiring to make sure that no matter what we do in the world of advancement, specifically in medicine, uh, that there's not a temptation that's too great for some to ignore uh, to not necessarily help or help people uh, well. And actually, even the, the other vaccines. Uh, there, I know people are still getting them, and that's, that's fine. Uh, but the other vaccines that were out there for a while, the government was really trying to get us all to get them, and they were going to keep paying for them. And a part of that felt to me uh, to be more and more closely aligned uh, with the accusation that was going on from the beginning for uh, people that thought all of it was a, a money-making scheme, is when the American people lose their interest in showing up and getting something, because not many people were getting the fourth round, fifth round of, of some of those vaccines, um, you shouldn't keep making it free uh, and through the government. You should start letting people decide to pay for it themselves if they want to buy it and not trying to encourage everyone to go out and get a thing uh, that was at that point. Well, in some cases, it was more than encouraging them. But sure. I, well, that was early on. What, what I'm talking about is toward the tail end of because not I, I don't think I've heard. A conversation. I mean, there are a lot of people who in yeah. order to do your job, you had to get vaccinated. Right. What, what I mean is that at some point throughout the um, the roller coaster ride that was the last few years with the pandemic, uh, there was a moment where a lot less Americans were getting vaccinated. Even Americans who got the first shot, the second shot, like me, I got three shots actually. Uh, eventually, you stop showing up. You stop. You stop getting. After they got sick after the first one, they said, "I don't know if I want to do that again." Well, and so what I mean by that is for the 
and you have to remember this, hopefully, if, if um, you're listening to this show and you're thinking, ah, eh, Craig's a conspiracy theorist. Uh, you have to remember that Biden got, I think, the fourth or the fifth one on a stage the same way they got the first one and said, everybody go out and get your, you know, whatever the new yeah. one they were calling it was. And when people didn't do that, eventually they said, all right, fine, it's not going to be free Well, when he, when he told us all a couple of years ago, right before Christmas, that this was going to be a winter of death for those mm-hmm. of us who didn't get vaccinated. Right. <laughs> that was, yeah. I, that's not usually the way the president addresses a country. No. Well, and here's what I'll say for anyone that doesn't necessarily believe, um, you know, the extreme versions of conversations that can exist there. Creating opportunity is one thing. But um, um, abusing opportunity is a different one. Yeah. And I think a lot more people could agree uh, that the government is tremendously likely to abuse opportunity, yeah. even if they don't create it. Uh, nothing uh, necessarily is bad uh, for them if they can find some way to benefit. So I think that's essentially the accusation I found most compelling uh, from Dr. David. But Martin. he brought the receipts. I mean, he, he has everything he says, mm-hmm. every fact that he delivers. Right. He has irrefutable documentation that he's presenting to these people who are listening to him in that room, sure. these 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 politicians. Well, and if anyone's curious, hey, Craig, why aren't you playing more of that? Uh, I can't show you any of those images. So if we did get to that point, I don't think – I did try to describe the fireworks. I did a play-by-play <laughs> of the fireworks, but I don't think I should do play-by-play of slides for something as important as that uh, without me uh, knowing as much as I'd need to know. But you can check it out for yourself. Uh, before we take a break, just one other quick thing I wanted to touch on. Uh, you told me about this article in The Federalist. Uh, DeSantis's problem isn't Trump. It's that uh, Democrats rigged 2020. Um, if I asked you to give me a, a summary of this and why you're encouraging people to go check this out, is there something you could give me in like a minute or so? Yeah, you you and I have talked about, you know, early on you couldn't understand why DeSantis's popularity was falling at an accelerated rate in these polls, and it continues to drop sure. if, you know, against Trump. Trump overwhelmingly leads him in all of these polls, sure. and, and you weren't, you didn't understand why. Well, before DeSantis entered the race, it was hard to, to think that DeSantis was harming himself. Now that he's in the race and, and misstepping, and I think there have been some missteps, I now see more cause to the, the loss in popularity. Because if you're going back to February, he was a much greater challenge, at least according to the polls that were coming out. Well, I think anybody, anybody who was familiar with Ron DeSantis, and, and we're talking about Republicans and conservatives. Sure who liked what he was doing and is doing in Florida. Correct. And so on the face of it, in the beginning, it was, hey, this guy is going to be a formidable opponent for Trump, and it hasn't turned out to be that no. even close. Not, not close. And the, the man who writes this article mm-hmm. uh, explains that it's not all about DeSantis. A lot of it has to do with the people who voted for Trump and still strongly support him yeah. and and apparently that number is growing that they haven't put 2020 behind them sure. that they're not going to just move on that this is personal and that he basically says it wasn't that the election was stolen from Trump it's that the election was stolen from them and well, sure. anything yeah. any, anything that seems reminiscent of the belief that uh, 2020 was stolen like uh, the indictments from the Department of Justice probably do invigorate more support we got to right. take another break right. i can't be late for the break a uh, quick break a lot more 1470 
100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Mark Strauss, TV guy on the radio, hanging out as you always do. And we did like three topics again. Yeah, but they were good topics. (laughs) You had a good time. I had a good time. Uh, That's all that matters. All right. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Yes, Mark Strauss and I were still chatting off the air right up until this moment. Just said goodbye to him a second ago. Uh, Let's play some audio. Let's dive into some stuff. Uh, I think this is interesting. And I don't know if I even want to be specific about if it's a thing that Trump, uh, former President Trump, uniquely could do. I actually think a lot of politicians may be capable of doing the thing that Trump has claimed he can do and that Nikki Haley thinks is ridiculous to claim anybody can do. So I want to play Nikki Haley's audio first, and then I want to tell you what I mean about what I'm saying. And I don't even know if it actually would be uh, the plan uh, that the former president would have if he were the one uh, put in office. But here's Nikki Haley. I think it's ridiculous. He knows that he can't end the war in a day. Everybody else knows he can't end the war in a day. He says these crazy things. It's not true. We've got a realistic situation on our hands. The way we end the war is to get Putin out. It's not to appease Putin. Yeah, I got to be honest. Um, getting Putin out actually sounds tremendously difficult and challenging and the kind of thing that the United States would have to do in a way in which uh, we wouldn't really know about it. Um, because if we know about it, then Russia knows about it, and then they accuse us of some kind of attack, of some kind of, you know, escalation of this conflict, and then they uh, might feel as though they're, um, uh, validated in trying to include us in their, in their fight. At least Putin would certainly do that. Uh, here's why I think, and I don't know about the day, uh, I might agree with Nikki Haley that nobody can end the conflict in one day. Uh, but the thing going on right now in Ukraine with Russia, and granted, okay, I'm not an expert in this, but I found it fascinating and I've been paying attention for a while, is this inevitable turn that months ago uh, some people, especially people in military, predicted uh, where Ukraine, and if you're Ukraine, you'd feel this way um, rightfully, uh, wants to continue fighting Russia until it wins back any contested area between the two countries and even Crimea. And I played that audio on my air, on the radio a couple times uh, where Vladimir Zelensky said uh, no end to the war that doesn't include Crimea returning to uh, Ukraine is a win for them. It's not a win. And so here's the problem with a stance like that. And I'm going to use a very different example, and I mean no intent to offend um, um, Ukraine and, and, you know, countries at war and whatnot. But if you provide something to someone and providing it to them allows them to behave a certain way, and then you tell them there's a limit. If uh, you do these things, I stop providing you uh, with certain stuff. And they, um, you know, don't believe you. They might keep acting the way that they're acting, and this can be in anything. It can be you and how you, you know, teach your children to, um, and I'm not trying to call Ukraine a child country to the United States, but right now they are relying on us the same way a child is relying on a parent to protect them. They're relying on other countries. Uh, you heard the news that there are countries that are now going to supply long-range missiles. I think France is the one doing that uh, to Ukraine. And so the counteroffensive uh, that Ukraine is going on is not something as a country they're capable of uh, on their own. And so if someone were put in power and did tell uh, that country that there were limits to how support uh, support would work here in the United States, then when those limits are reached, uh, you get to the point where uh, they understand that the war might start to turn and start to change. And I think that's essentially what Trump's saying, and that's what uh, Vladimir Zelensky is worried about. Uh, but I do think if politicians had the appetite for being definitive uh, about what winning looks like to us, what winning looks like to the U.K., what preventing Russia from taking Ukraine actually is, 
uh, then and only then would it probably make more believable sense uh, that the conflict could end sooner uh, with Ukraine giving in uh, to Russia in some way, shape or form. I don't know if they'd actually surrender some of the contested areas, but certainly not uh, saying that they uh, want to win uh, back Crimea. Uh, that's something that was annexed in 2014 and was uh, essentially, uh, for better or worse, however you care about it, uh, something that was over. And so I, I just find it fascinating that we have these conversations in this way, and it does feel like there's a more obvious uh, way to discuss it uh, that would probably be dismissed by a lot of people. I don't want uh, Ukraine to lose, and I would not pull back to support, support to the extent where Ukraine would start to lose the war against Russia if they are, quote-unquote, winning uh, right now. Uh, but to not give them more direction on when stopping should occur, et cetera, et cetera. And actually, our president has even sort of dabbled in that world uh, where he's kind of said that he was willing to do that and not actually uh, gone all the way. And I find that interesting because, you know, once again, uh, that is what actually ends the conflict or at least um, causes Ukraine to stand down and may allow uh, Russia, although um, many people in the United States would not want Vladimir Putin uh, himself to get a victory here to save face in a failed attack on Ukraine. And I know that's a weird way to say that, too, because save face doesn't feel right when you're killing people. Um, but that essentially is what politicians become obsessed about, especially uh, oligarch versions of politicians in places like Russia uh, that don't want to lose definitively on a conflict that they really uh, many people thought would win within months of it starting. So, again, I think that that's truthfully what they're talking about and the way they're dancing around it. I want to play one other thing. Uh, this is um, uh, Kevin McCarthy, the House Speaker, uh, reacting to some of the whistleblower stories uh, that are out there in the world. And there are multiple whistleblowers, uh, so sometimes we can get confused with which one is involved in which thing. Uh, but here, let's play this. Why so has said he can talk about an ongoing investigation? Well, he's going to have to. And what are you going to do to compel them? Are you going to I, I think you cannot sit back and hide behind and have an attorney general say one thing. You say something else in private. What do you have to hide? Wouldn't you first and foremost, why would you wait so long to respond to If you knew this was a question, if you knew because of the attorney that you were, because you worked for the attorney general and others, and that it would rise to such a constitutional question, why would you step out the first day and say, I've got nothing to hide. Let's talk about what was said. This was right or this was wrong. Why do you want to mince words inside a letter itself and be delayed? That just raises more issues. Okay, so what he's talking about, if you're not aware of what uh, is being discussed there, is uh, attorney, uh, U.S. Attorney Weiss is the uh, guy saying from Jump that he investigated Hunter Biden exactly how he wanted to without any interference from anybody. It's totally on the up and up, and everybody should stop talking about this, uh, more or less. Uh, this is not what whistleblowers within the IRS and other places are saying about the investigation itself. And one of those whistleblowers is not hiding out in a foreign country right now. Uh, that's a guy who's right here in the United States. His name is Shapley. Uh, you can look him up. Uh, realize that he's not the other person, which I just find amusing that some of that it seems like it's it's intentionally uh, being sort of um, – uh, vague in how it's being talked about places. Uh, but essentially what's going on is, is saying that, look, if everything was on the up and up, you are going to have to appear in front of politicians, in front of Republicans, and be challenged on that because it is the son of the sitting president, and some people see smoke, and they're pretty sure there's fire. You can't do both. You can't write things that say, I was allowed to do whatever I wanted to do, but I'm not discussing any of the details because the investigation is still technically ongoing. I don't think you can win in both ways. And I do think, and I'll say this, and then I'll take a break, uh, that if you are willing, if the Department of Justice or anyone else is willing to go after the former president, 
as the leading candidate on the Republican side of the aisle and say that he did stuff that's wrong. He committed crimes. Uh, no one's above the law. Everyone has to be held accountable outside of the people we're going to ignore that might have also committed somewhat similar crimes. If you're going to do that, uh, you can't do this as well. You can't have your cake and eat it, too, in the sense of you can't say one thing is beyond the scope of what the American people might have interest in or might need to see um, for themselves. And then the other one, uh, you can hide behind the the umbrella of it's an investigation ongoing uh, because you could have easily hid behind the uh, election is ongoing and we can't uh, go after anybody involved in the election until after the election. And you chose not to. And so now it's a little bit of a little for us and then a little more for us and nothing for the other guy. And I agree with McCarthy that, that you're going to have to sit down and talk at some point to the politicians because, well, they're going to try to find a way to demand it. A uh, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, a lot more coming up that's not this stuff. Uh, a lot of lighter stuff coming up next. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. It's Tuesday. Let's uh, be way less serious than we've been for a while here and have a lot more fun on the radio. Uh, that throw out uh, versions of what I think are not necessarily conspiracy theory, but just questions. But if you're accusing me of that in the last hour and a half, all right, fine. Uh, let's do something different, totally different. And I don't think I'm a conspiracy theory. Anyway, uh, let's let's move another road. 309-340-4464. If you want to text me, though, and tell me different, that's totally fine. 309-340-4464. I love this. Uh, a woman who I guess has a decent amount of money has offered a referral bonus to anyone who finds her someone that she likes and wants to marry, and then also wants to marry her. I think both parts of that matter. Her name is Eve. She's 35. Uh, she's a attorney for corporate uh, litigation out of Los Angeles, and she even has been advertising it all over her social media page, which actually has a decent amount of followers. If you introduce me to my husband and I marry him, this is what she said, you get $5,000, five grand uh, going your way uh, very, very soon. I'm not sure if anyone will will try to, um, you know, abuse the system. Hopefully not. She's actually a rather attractive, uh, too, or at least some of the photos that are up in this uh, New York Post article uh, make her look very attractive. I don't know if that's the same person you meet in real life or not. I'm very confused uh, by all sorts of things that exist in the world of, of uh, filters and whatnot uh, for people. Uh, but, you know, uh, this seems like a decent enough uh, person to get to know if you're someone that's out there and single or, you know, someone in Los Angeles that's out there and single. Uh, as I said, her name is Eve and she's giving five thousand dollars to the person that introduces her to her husband. And that's not desperate. Uh, no one can see that as desperate. I'm certainly not trying to say I, I don't know, because I, I, I thought about, like, how would you tell that story uh, if you years later got married and are happy? Like, how did you guys meet uh, grandma and grandpa? Well, I offered a $5,000 reward to someone who would find me someone to marry because I wasn't doing well on my own doing that. And then this uh, this gentleman came along uh, that was recommended by somebody else who's got uh, $5,000 more. I feel like that would be worse than saying you met on eHarmony uh, when people were ashamed of that back in the day and now not ashamed at all and no reason to be. Uh, other things out there that I thought were interesting, uh, a um, poll asked Americans if they like chit-chat uh, when they're getting their hair cut. 30% of people said no. 65% said absolutely enjoy it. 5% said didn't care either way. But 3 in 10 people said we really would rather prefer a, um, and I just said we, a quiet haircut. I don't know if it's because of what I do for a living. It's because I, I talk, you know, and that's how I make money. That's how I live my life. And so that's why I like it. But when you do something like that, and it can be anything in the world of like a 25-minute 
uh, sit down. Um, pampering is what my wife likes to call it when I get my hair cut or do anything. I like that in silence. I almost silence, like not not uh, insane person silence. Not you walk in and you refuse to talk at all. I have the the quick stuff, the stuff about oh how are you, especially if you have a regular person that cuts your hair. Like, how's the family? How's everything going? You told me about that thing uh, last time. How's that thing? But then eventually I would like it if you stopped. <laughs> that's, that's the world. I like it. If, if like 45, 50, 65% of the haircut is done mostly in science, silence, because you can tell when people are forcing it, or at least I can tell when people are forcing it, I think, because, again, of the living I have and just trying to come up with stuff to talk about and not listening. They don't really care. Uh, they just think it's a part of the gig. I don't mind the silence. Uh, the silence actually can be very, very therapeutic. And so I agree with the people who said, hey, some of this haircut, we, we don't have to talk to each other. Or even small talk in general. Sometimes you don't need to do it. Uh, sometimes probably very important to you, your career in the office. Uh, but other times, uh, really, I can't talk about the weather for a tenth time today. I know it's going to be hot. It is very hot uh, today. So I'm sure you're having a lot of, man, it's really hot. Uh, conversations. Uh, so I feel bad for anyone that's getting annoyed by those. Uh, another thing out there that I liked, uh, just sillier stuff that I thought was interesting, a mathematician in England, and I think being in England is important to this, uh, has decided to use math or did decide to use math to figure out what the absolute best uh, bad word in the history of bad words is. And it's terrible. The, the bad word is awful because uh, I was going to do a thing uh, where I said on the radio, like, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say the really terrible word. Uh, the mathematician used math to figure out for us, but the word is banger, uh, B-A-N-G-E-R, and that is not a terrible word, at least not here in the United States. If it's a bad word at all in the U.K., I don't know that. Uh, I know that every show I've watched with people, um, you know, young people from there, they actually say it uh, the same way we say cool. Uh, my friends that I met years ago when I was bartending uh, at Navy Pier, and they were all from uh, Ireland, I used that word again the same way they would say uh, that was cool. Or that night was banger. Um, but that is the worst word, according to one guy who spent way too much time uh, with math to figure that out. And by the way, there's way better words uh, that are also on this list that I definitely can't say on the radio because, well, those words would get me in a lot more trouble. Uh, but they are not mathematically the best one, at least according to uh, one guy. And again, I think a big part of that is that this is a British list and not a United States list because – uh, you know, I think even there, they probably consider it different, uh, obviously different than we do. Um, I wanted to touch on another thing just quickly. And I know the the correct thing to say, and it's true, it, it is the correct thing to say for a variety of reasons, is shop local. Uh, you should go to small businesses. Uh, that's how they, um, you know, keep their families uh, fed and keep food on the table and do all the stuff that they need to do. Uh, but Amazon Prime Day is going on right now. It's a two-day thing. And it's very hard to get away from it. If, if you don't, um, you know, want to, to spend that money, though, I think Walmart and some other uh, companies are offering in-store promotions uh, that are similar to some of the stuff you can get on Amazon Prime uh, for Prime Day. It's just funny. It's just everything. Everything's on sale. And I remember last year when I logged into to Amazon for this day, I would actually start Googling some of the stuff that it said was on sale and like the, the discount was like a thousand percent. I know that's not possible, like 65 percent. And you'd look at it and you're like, wait a minute. No, they, they weren't selling it at that price. Uh, this is the, the tried and true 
age-old version of marketing where all of a sudden something gets more expensive before it gets discounted. Uh, but some of the prices are still really good on a lot of the stuff out there. So it's, it's just funny uh, to think how everything is on sale all at once. And if you know anything about the way that Amazon works, uh, they don't actually, you know, make most of their money off of buying products themselves and selling products to you. Uh, they make money off of other people uh, doing that. So I think a lot of businesses probably lose a significant amount of money uh, throughout the two days that are prime day. Because uh, actually I had uh, a family member uh, that worked in um, e-commerce and marketing for a long time. And the way that it would work is, um, from what I understand, Amazon would reach out and be like, what deals are you uh, willing to do on, on Amazon Prime Day? How far are you willing to go uh, to make things seem great? And if they're not good enough, they just don't wind up on the list. And if they are really great, they might not be to the benefit of you, uh, but certainly to the benefit of Amazon. Uh, but all that being said, I've, I've looked at deals, and I think I might have purchased a thing, probably by accident. Probably my finger took over. But mostly shop local, I think, is the, the part of this segment. All right. Will's got the news. Uh, 1470s and AM, 100.3s and FM, all over the Internet, WMBDRadio.com and the WMBD Radio app. Or just tell your smart speaker, hey, I'll play WMBD Radio and hear Will Stevenson talk about this. You know, the solution, Craig, is to just start your own retail development. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I should start my own retail <laughs> development. And then we can talk about all the stuff we were talking about before the show. Yeah, you should yeah. have been there. It was it was, it was the great. best business plan I've well, ever heard in my life. What were you listening to? You were listening to... I was to, listening to a Pekin City okay. Council meeting, right. which, that, of which I'm still working on. We got sidetracked with breaking that's news. That's fine. But I forgive you. It's fine. It was basically yeah. uh, a plan to revamp some of the old mall areas in yeah. Pekin that the city council is considering. Gotcha. And and uh, Craig came up with what I well, consider to be the best want, idea I've ever heard. Thanks, sir. I, I want a little bit more to be out there, and I know we're late for the news, but I just want to That's tell people. Fine. It was a political environment, and they were talking about money, and I became very <laughs> amused because one of the words I heard somebody say, I don't want to say who said it, I don't even know who said it, was... Oh, I know who said it. ...was we lost a whole lot of money. That's the first part yeah. of the sentence. Yeah. That's not your money and my money. Right. This is our money. That part was fun, but they said we lost a lot of money, and then they reshaped that as an opportunity, which I found very funny. They're like, we lost yes. money here, here, so that means we have a lot of opportunity over here. And so I want to show up at the next political meeting for somebody, it doesn't have to be Pekin, and pitch ideas. And my ideas are going to cost about $9 million. <laughs> uh, and what I'm going to do is Craig Collins surprises uh, throughout whatever community gives me $9 million uh, that I promise will make things very exciting for people to live is in those places. Is this kind of like how Oprah started a school in some <laughs> other country? Yeah. But I'm not going to tell you going in. I just want you to green light surprises, and then I'll show you the surprises as we go. Because you can't you can't know about a surprise before it happens. Right. Then it's not a surprise. I'm just saying yeah. that you would be surprised at the marvelous business development cra idea <laughs> Craig came up sure. with. All right, fine. I'll, I'll throw one of you them out there. To, you fine. don't need to know fine. any more than that. But I'll throw, just know that it was terrific. I'll throw one of them out there. One of my surprises that I can't do anymore because it's not a surprise anymore would be to build a Taco Bell yes! inside inside some <laughs> other uh, store. It doesn't have to be a food store. It could be like a, um, a Marshalls, and then all of a sudden you got a Taco Bell in the middle, and that's the Craig Collins surprise. Well, it's better than that because basically this idea is Marshalls Five Below, and what's the other one I keep forgetting? I don't know. I can't remember it either. Oh, it's uh, Ross stores, Dress for Life. Okay. Clothing stores and whatnot. But, 
instead of separating the stores in the separate you just put it right in the middle you just put them all right in the middle you right. throw everything together you yep. divide it off in the sections yep. without walls and then that's flat right in the middle right taco bell boom that's that's one surprise there's way more so i don't want anybody <laughs> to decide they're not giving me nine million dollars i need nine million and then i promise surprises are coming but will's got the and news all now the fountain drinks we can handle <laughs> will's got the news now and i don't think craig collins surprises is a part of it <laughs> not um, sure you want to be trying on clothes with one end with a taco and the other Oh, man, I love that this was what we talked about for three minutes in your newscast. I was, what can I say? It was the highlight of my day, Craig. You're welcome. Uh, it, nine it million, really nine says million, a lot about my day. Right. But. Nine million is just a starting amount. I can definitely yeah. spend more. If yeah. you have more to spend, I can figure it out. 25 to $50 oh, million. Dollars. No problem. 100, 200, uh, whatever you can eat. And right. if any of this sounds like this is money laundering or wire fraud, it's not. you are sadly mistaken. Yeah, I'm really building that uh, Taco Bell, probably by hand all by myself. Yeah, probably going to need to hire an attorney, too. Yeah, I might need an attorney. All right, well, just you, one though. Go ahead and do Jay some news. Jansen's down the street. <laughs> we can't anyway. talk about this anymore. Let's Fine. Do, let's do news. All, All right. right. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. Uh, it is the Craig Collins Show. I'm thrilled to have my next guest in studio because when I was reading about the uh, Wayfair Ing Signs thing, uh, I didn't understand uh, what was happening. I'm going to be honest. That's the way I'm going to set it up, Mike. And so I saw some quotes out there in the world. Mike Vespa, at-large council member, had said some things that I would think, that I would say about the amount of money uh, that we're spending on these signs and the actual value of the stuff we're putting on the signs, the QR codes, uh, that seem to be why they cost so much. Uh, first, welcome to the show. Thanks for being here. Thank you, Craig. It's great to be here. Why don't you explain the thing that I probably did a terrible job of just explaining? Uh, what are the signs? Why do they cost so much? What's on them? Okay, Craig. So uh, I think there's 72 signs um, that are going to be downtown. They're wayfaring signs uh, or wayfinding signs. So wayfinding. I mean, they, yeah, they, they uh, tell people, you know, this direction to the medical district, this direction to the Riverfront Museum, this direction to the ballpark. Um, so, I mean, it, the idea is just to, you know, make people more comfortable and less anxious as they drive um, so they're not getting lost downtown and, okay. you know, creating more congestion. That's the idea. But yeah. the way that you attain that information is mostly through scanning a QR code with your phone. No. Okay. <laughs> There's the QR code thing's a part of it, though. Uh, that that has been um, mentioned as something that could be incorporated, okay. as well as like an audio component yeah. and also a braille component was, right. was proposed. On the signs. So yes. without any of those, why do they cost so much money? Well, uh, <laughs> if we don't have any of that stuff, if there's no innovation on them. So yeah. what's the what's the price tag on all the signs? It's about six hundred. Six hundred something. Six hundred eighty-three thousand dollars. Yeah. Six hundred eighty-three thousand for right. uh, seventy-two signs. Uh, right. Mike, I don't know if you can bring this to people. I can make them for less. If you guys want me to make some signs, I can figure this out way, way cheaper. Uh, I don't get it. And so what I thought uh, the position was that we were hearing from uh, the council was that it's because of the technology uh, being put into the signs, uh, the audio component you just mentioned, which is hilarious to me, and I can get to that in a second, but really the, the QR code uh, scanning thing, which would be even a way, I think, as it was said in the meeting, to uh, generate revenue because local businesses could pay to be the QR code advertisers. Mm -hmm. That is not a valuable way to advertise your business, uh, in my opinion, to be a QR code on a wayfinding sign. Uh, but uh, go ahead then and tell me, if you don't mind, why it would cost so much with none of that stuff. Yeah, I, you know, I'm not sure how much revenue we'd actually get from having people advertise the sure. QR code database and, you know, maintaining the database would probably cost money. But I, I sure. think, I think, you know, the, 
the big part of the expense would be, you know, these are going downtown, mm-hmm. and when you're when you're installing a sign, you know, you need to know what's underneath, and there is mm-hmm. a lot underneath the concrete downtown. Gotcha. Um, so I mean, it's you know, it's like calling Julie, you know. You, yeah, it only you know, only on only that can happen. Okay. Uh, <laughs> by like, the way, it, it's not your quote. I'm not sure if the QR code is the best use of space because if they have a cell phone that can read a QR code, that cell phone can pull up Google Maps or Apple Maps and see where they are anyway and go wherever they want to go. That's not something you said at, at the council meeting. Yeah, I, I did say something like okay. that. I, I wanted to discourage yeah trying to get that um, that technological component added sure I, I i don't think we really need much in terms of technological on signs uh, components. no right no i, I mean you know yes. these are for people that are going to be driving by and you know mm-hmm. we want them to to come down here and right you, know, you might put a bug in their ear you know if they see a sign that says hey here's the riverfront museum yeah. and, and they're they're here for like a doctor's appointment or something well you know, so they the th- come back fair enough the thing i will say and this is important is that this already decision has been done so you and i talking about it was just because it entertained me more than anything else because i think at one point too in the back-and-forth debate, uh, the question was asked, like, why do the signs cost so much? And I think the more simplistic answer provided was they're not normal signs. And so that feels as though uh, that part of the conversation is still in flux. What's abnormal about the signs uh, feels like it could still change, or am I wrong about that? That's correct. The the very, yeah, the the final uh, specific designs Mm -hmm. uh, haven't been decided on yet. I mean, there's been some prototypes. There's actually two prototypes on Main Street. I don't know if you noticed, um, kind of by the uh, medical district. Probably not a good sign. It's probably not a good sign that I work down here and my answer (laughs) to you is going to be no. I did not notice. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, they're they're there. I did actually see one of them earlier today. So they are are still standing. And the the base, you know, they they, uh, dug into what's underneath uh, properly, Mm -hmm. I assume. And, and, you know, it's it's still standing after all this uh, weather we've been getting. But, but yeah, um, so... So you know it's it, it's something that passed unanimously, and um, it's still still in flux. I mentioned that in the council meeting that I, I didn't think that that was necessary. I think that was kind of an overkill, and my hope in mentioning that was that you know. Uh, the public you, works director would say, hey, yeah. you know, whoever's designing this, you know, right. maybe, maybe tone down the bells and whistles and right. maybe we can bring down the, the final price. Well, yeah, because in all honesty, and I think this is where you and I easily connect, uh, you're around the same age as me. Uh, I'm a millennial. I talk about a lot on the show is the way in which people use things today. When's the last time you used an actual physical map? for anything, to get anywhere. When's yeah. the last time you did yeah. it? If, if my phone died and I'm on the road, maybe I'll go to a gas station and get a map. Right, I mean, that's, but that's about, no. Yeah, and so yeah. I'm not saying that signs are completely irrelevant to the society we live in today, but the, the cost of them uh, being as high as it is uh, seems to not necessarily make sense. And so a, a greater conversation that one could have in this same world is in the, the waste, fraud, and abuse things that exist within government. And when you see a price tag that's a little under $700,000 for signs, uh, you think to yourself, waste, at the very least, might be a factor in play here. And you're saying that, uh, in your opinion, at this point now, with the back and forth still going on, that that's not something that is occurring? Or you think that there might be potential for waste uh, in the world of the signs? Well, it's uh, yeah, I'm not going to say there's no potential at all. You know, sure. We don't even have the final, uh, final designs yeah. and yeah, the final cost yet. Um, but, yeah, I, I mean... This is something that's been been discussed for years. Sure. You know, uh, you know, Tri County Regional Planning Commission, I think, has been pushing for this. A lot of downtown groups thinks think it'd be good, and and the uh, city, you know, requested bids, and I think there were about uh, six or eight bids, and I, I know that this one came in 
where it did. Yeah, it came and where it did. Yeah, fair enough. No, I I don't want to put you in a hot seat too much longer. It's just funny for me because it's so hard. I don't know what a regular sign goes for, by the way. I don't know what a current sign in today's world uh, would cost um, if we were paying for the regular ones. I know what I would spend if I were making them for you again. I don't have to hold up in the rain uh, or the snow or really any weather at all. Uh, there was one other thing you wanted to talk about uh, that I, I would love for you to give us more insight into, and that is the world of uh, the decision on whether or not uh, we will own our water, uh, whether the city would buy out our water or be supplied by somebody else. Have I simplified that a little too much? Do you want to give me a different version of it? Well, you know, that's it's, uh, it's a big topic. Uh, yes. <laughs> it's uh, you know, something that comes up like every five years because uh, in the late 19th century, the city of Peoria – sold its water rights um, mm-hmm. to a company that now is Illinois American Water, or actually, you know, American Water Works, I think, is the parent company. Sure. And it was written in the contract that every five years we had the opportunity to buy it uh, for market price to be determined. Um, and, I, I mean, you know, this this is a parent This parent company makes a lot of money. They make billions of dollars, although it's not just Illinois American. You know, they have other, you know, Nevada American, Hawaii sure. American, a bunch of others. Sure. But it, it is generally a profitable enterprise. And, you know, hypothetically, uh, if you were to do the same thing that they're doing, if you were to do the same maintenance and, you know, have the same same employees pay them the same, just different hats, mm-hmm. then we could take those profits and give it back, you know, in the form of rebates uh, sure. to the citizens of Peoria or lower their water bills. Now that that sounds great, but it sounds I mean, great. It's, it's I, yeah, how, I it. yeah. and you know, interest rates are high. So I mean, you're talking about probably hundreds of millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have to issue in bonds, and because interest rates are really high, we'd be paying a lot of service on those bonds um, for years. Um, you know, once they're paid off, great. You know, then we could enter that hypothetical scenario but in the meantime there there would be pain sure uh, and, and there's also a lot of you know infrastructure that needs to be updated like lead pipes um you know it illinois american would have to do that anyway um but you know they if they did that then they would jack up you know the rates they they go to the yeah. commerce commission sure yeah. I, you know what I like about it, and we were talking about this off the air, is you said you, you genuinely are not decided. Uh, you're yep. relatively new in your role um, uh, with uh, the government, and so uh, you're someone that it sounds like, and this is a compliment for you, sir, uh, goes in with an open mind to, to be convinced one way or the other. Uh, where do you think your biggest pros or cons exist in the alternative scenario? You just sort of laid out, I think, some of the pros and some of the cons of Peoria uh, taking back uh, the water supply is the biggest pro not having any of those costs, if you just leave it uh, for other people to worry about somebody else's problem, kind of thing. That that is kind of it's kind of a political will issue. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, you know, if if something needs to be replaced, if you know repairs are being made, Illinois American can be the bad guy. They they can they can do the repairs themselves and then pass it along to the consumer. Your rates get jacked up. Um, but you know, if if the city were to own it. Um, then it might be incumbent upon future councils, or, or we might, you know, do a special district uh, to handle those. But um, you know, we would have to be the bad guy. We, we would have to decide when to raise the rates. Yeah. And my fear would be that, not not me necessarily, but you know, future councils would be like, oh well, this let's put off this, you know, this uh, maintenance. Or, sure. You know, like, and then then we don't have to raise rates, and you know, taxpayers will be happier. Gotcha. So the incentive, you think, if it's a political world discussion, uh, becomes a lot more about whether or not we're mad at our politicians uh, mm-hmm. than it would be for companies that probably don't care if they're the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if the counter argument there is, do the companies always do as good of a job? 
in some of the things they're being asked to do compared to what, say, the government might do there in repairing things uh, because, well, the bottom line does matter. So it feels like there might be a push-pull on each side. What I think is most entertaining about this specific thing, and you'll notice that I'm easily amused uh, in what I say here, uh, by the way, Mike, is that the company has no uh, choice. Uh, Illinois American Water would probably like to retain these rights, and they don't get a say uh, because of the way in which it works. Every five years, our our politicians decide what we do, and they just kind of sit there and wait. So my favorite thing, every bit of coverage on this, is they've had really no comment most of the time that anyone in press has reached out uh, because what are, what are they going to say? Uh, leave us alone. Let us do this ourselves. And obviously that demonstrates some sort of value in what they're gaining from what uh, we've given them. So it seems like there might be some roads to, as you said, eventual gain for us if Peoria took it back. Yeah, I, you know, I think it's been 20 years since the last time um, the council got really close to buying it. And, you know, Illinois American was fighting tooth and nail. Sure. Um, and I would expect they'd fight tooth and nail. Gotcha. A lot of political ads run, attacking me, attacking a lot of people. Attacking a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. Okay, fun. <laughs> so, Sounds fun. I mean, it's, it, it would be a fight. And, and, you know, they would they would demand a very high valuation for, sure. for the company, sky high. Yeah. And I mean, you know, obviously we, we would come up with a much lower yeah. valuation. Right. Um, well, I got to be honest. Time. If you're a little under seven hundred thousand dollars away, I would love to get rid of those signs and throw yeah. that at the other thing. <laughs> That's just me. If we get that close yeah. and we're missing six hundred and seventy-two thousand dollars, I feel like we can figure that out. Uh, thanks for jumping on the show uh, and talking yeah. to me. Anything else? Uh, I, I didn't want to, you know, bulldoze you. Is there no. anything else you got? I, I mean, I nothing else. But you know, if you ever want to have me on again, you know, I. I'd, I'd love to have you on time. Yes. Um, And uh, no, honestly, thank you again for uh, coming and chatting because I think you probably expected us to have different opinions on some things, Mm -hmm. uh, which is fine by me and fine by you, uh, which is important in this world. Quick break. A lot more. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. 1470, 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about. Uh, I don't know why. I want to play this audio. Uh, should I play this audio? I might play this audio. Um, a mom uh, gave birth to a, a, a giant baby, is I think how you describe this. A 13-pound baby uh, the size of a three-month-old is what it said here. A Tennessee mom is celebrating the birth of a very, very large child. Uh, she even talked about the experience of, of having a kid. Uh, by the way, the average weight of a newborn is uh, 7.4 pounds. Uh, so 13 is like giving birth to what uh, many people probably assume is going to be Shaq. I think that this child should probably grow up to be about Shaq-sized. Uh, here we go. This was a shock for sure. <laughs> Our first was 9.15, so wow. we anticipated a bigger baby, but nothing like this. I'm getting used to it, but it's definitely hard because he wants to be held all the time, so working on those muscles right now. <laughs> he does eat around the clock. It's kind of hard to keep up for sure. I don't know why I'm so entertained by that. Even the conversation from mom where she's like, yeah, holding him is not as easy as it is for most babies. I'm always terrified um, whenever anybody hands me a baby. I have no kids. My wife and I have no children that I would drop a child. I'm immediately terrified of that when someone hands me a baby. The, the fragility of a baby, I don't know what it is, but like I need to sit uh, if you ever uh, see me get handed a baby, and I don't know why that would happen. I'm not running for any sort of political office. I need to, like, sit down in a position where I'm 100 percent sure I won't move in any way whatsoever. And then you'll hand me the baby, and I will hold it as if it's a stick of dynamite that's about to explode until someone takes it back from me. I am that terrified 
of the situation being a me plus baby, because I don't want to be a human who, who's ever dropped a baby. And luckily I haven't because of the ridiculous way I handle this. But it sounds like that's the way she should go with 13 pound baby is you just sit, you, you know, you basically uh, use all the support you can and then you hold the baby that way. I don't know why I'm so entertained by this and also outed myself as someone that is genuinely uh, in my late 30s still terrified of holding a, a tiny little uh, baby. Now, I don't know why that is. Uh, Will, it doesn't like get any better if you don't have children of your own later on, too. Trust me. Okay, good. Yeah. No. So you are also terrified oh, of holding te- babies? Absolutely terrified. I'm terrified of it. You know, once I get the baby, I'm yeah. okay for a while. Oh, no, but no. It's, that, it's that period when you first get the baby, yeah. and then when you're ready to hand the baby back mm-hmm. off, that, that's absol- that I'm afraid I'm going to drop it. Well, by the way, uh, the thing that's funny is I feel like babies can tell. Like they... 1470, 100.3. WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. I love the fact that I have text. I'm going to do the top five at five in a second. I'm going to play the um, intro in a segment uh, in a second. But I love that I have texts. I love that you can text this show. Uh, 309-340-4464 is the phone number to text the show. 309-340-4464. I get some weird texts, though. I get some very strange ones. And this might be an attempt to compliment me. It might, I'm assuming, be an attempt uh, not to compliment. I have no idea. Uh, and I always get new texts um, from uh, some numbers. And um, for the most part, uh, those are usually people, I think, that are you know, actually trying to contribute to the conversation. But there, I have a sneaking suspicion uh, that there are some people that might not be doing that and are figuring out a way to have multiple phone numbers. But I got a text from somebody that just said, I don't care if you drop my baby. If I ever had one and had to choose a person to drop it, I'd choose you. And again, that might be a compliment. They might be saying they like me enough that they'd forgive me if I dropped their baby. And I don't know if that's what it is. So I asked, could I ask why? Uh, you just said something that I'd, I never want to do ever, and I'd feel horrible if I ever did and terrified of, and that's what, all, that's what I was talking about in the last segment. And the response I just got from that texture was, who knows, <laughs> as far as the answer. So I don't know if it's a troll job, and I just uh, threw the uh, troll stuff out there on the, on the radio, or if it's uh, genuinely someone that thinks they'd be able to forgive me for something I would not, in fact, forgive myself for. Uh, but that's one of the reasons I love having texts, is that I can get all kinds of crazy texts. Uh, to this number, but also uh, people who want to contribute, uh, people who want to discuss stuff. Uh, in the last hour and a half of the show or so, uh, one of the things that came up was Ukraine. And I'm, I'm going to get to the top five of five, I promise. And I had a texter text in uh, that the uh, Obama administration made certain decisions about Crimea and nuclear weapons uh, that essentially uh, gave Crimea uh, to Russia. And that was a, and this is the way the texter said it, a cold-blooded or a cold-calculated decision uh, by President Obama. Um, I don't know what to say in response to some of what's happened in the past and who's responsible for it. And I'm not trying to defend Obama or disagree with the texture at all. I'm just saying that now in the world of Ukraine, uh, my biggest take has continued to be uh, that stuff like what happened in 2014 is, is over. And so um, having uh, Ukraine uniquely want to get wins beyond just defending uh, the parts of the country that they had um, when this conflict started, when Russia decided to attack them to try to take the entirety of the country, is a very different ask of um, who supports Ukraine as they do that. And that's essentially where this conflict is at, surprisingly enough, because uh, most people thought that Russia would uh, quickly defeat Ukraine. Uh, but the support from other countries, including a lot of support from us, has made them capable of defending themselves uh, to the point where now they actually talk about it. I think for a while, even the idea counteroffensive was sort of um, like thought of as no way. 
that's not going to happen. Uh, defending yourself against Russia is all you're going to do. But but really, truthfully, Ukraine has started launching a counteroffensive. Anyway, uh, let's get to the uh, top five at five, which is not that stuff. It's time for the top five at five on the Craig Collins show. All right. Uh, one of the first topics that I think is interesting as far as a top five at five, and this is in the New York Times right now, is Iowa Republicans, I'll just read the headline to you, aim to sharply limit abortion in a special session. After being thwarted in the courts, uh, Governor Reynolds uh, called the legislature back to Des Moines uh, to consider sweeping new restrictions on abortion. Every time that a decision is made in the world of abortion, uh, specifically, I think, in um, conservative-leaning states who are changing the rules that were in place for a long time uh, because of Roe versus Wade, which was overturned about a year ago, uh, you see uh, this kind of uh, coverage uh, a lot of places. And I'm not saying that the story is important and doesn't matter. It's in my top five at five. It, it does matter. But I wonder if a component of the discussion about this and the ways in which it, say, uh, takes over a conversation here in Illinois or anywhere else in surrounding communities or just communities throughout the country is somewhat intentioned uh, to influence people, again, in places like Illinois, uh, to vote on abortion and preventing limitations on it, uh, which will probably never happen here. Uh, that's not something that was likely to happen. That's something that when Darren Bailey was trying to be our governor, admitted uh, that he would be unlikely to change the laws in any way that he saw fit. So while I do think it's news, and I am talking about it, I think it's a top five uh, story when some of these changes happen. I do wonder if in an aspect of the way in which this is discussed so significantly, uh, since essentially the Supreme Court, and I know you've probably heard this before, you know this, it's not a hot take to say it, uh, but the Supreme Court allowed states to make decisions themselves, and now uh, states are making decisions themselves, and they're not all the same decision. Um, and so I wonder if a byproduct of that, again, is to sort of um, um, rediscuss uh, the likelihood or lack thereof of something changing in, in some states. And I will say one more thing uh, in response to this, and then I, I will move on uh, to other things. Um, and I saw this deep dive uh, probably a month ago, and I just found it fascinating. Uh, the biggest things that did and didn't happen in the world of abortion in the United States after uh, Dobbs. And one of the, the biggest things uh, that didn't happen is no state has tried to prosecute someone for crossing a state line and doing something that is legal in one state and illegal in another one. Uh, we have long seen that in our society in other ways. Uh, things like when drinking ages were different from one state to the other. And people, I, I was not um, old enough to drink in either of those moments, so I, I don't remember this myself. Uh, but if Toll had people joke about it and tell me, uh, you go up uh, across the state line, you do something somewhere that's legal, you come back and you do something that's illegal, and you're going to get in trouble. Uh, not for the stuff you did in, in, say, the other state where you were allowed to do it, but only here. And actually, you know what, I'll even throw one more example out there, uh, which I think is kind of interesting. I just got my FOID card, um, and I wanted it. I, I, I wanted to get a FOID card, which means that I can now get a gun. And I don't have a gun yet, and I, I think at some point I'm going to buy a gun. That's the whole reason to get in the card. But I know woefully little uh, about uh, guns uh, compared to what I should know uh, because my family is all military, because I, I have uh, conversations uh, with the VFW and people there who are military that, you know, know all kinds of stuff I don't. And I just thought this was the best way to educate myself is to um, purchase something or not, well, um, apply for something. I get approved for something and then go uh, through the process of training myself and eventually purchasing uh, something to, to understand the gun debate as best as I possibly can, not to try to become a gun nut 
if that's what we even call people uh, who use their Second Amendment right for this reason. Uh, but in the world of so many of these conversations, I sometimes think that having, um, you know, more information, more valuable uh, experience actually um, helps people to understand the side um, that you're opposing or the side on the other side of the aisle. And so to, to wrap this back to the thing I just mentioned a second ago and then move on, uh, in the world of abortion, uh, what I do think is fascinating is that after the Supreme Court decision, a whole lot of states made decisions that we were told wouldn't happen because almost everybody in the United States agreed uh, that, you know, abortion is something that should be a right, that should be accessible the way it was uh, before. And I'm not telling you uh, to have a specific opinion on this. I, I'm not I'm not trying to go the road of even sharing my own all that much. I just think it's significant when multiple states are changing their their laws. And so if those states are out of line with their own voters, you will see voters vote them out of office. And I know that there's concern about that in the Republican Party, too. Um, at least even I think Trump has said in a in an interview or two that he doesn't want the abortion uh, issue tied to him or to conservative as much as it is. Uh, but it is fascinating to me because if what we were told for a while is accurate, that a lot of Americans do not support uh, something that now states are, are starting to do, uh, then we should see massive uh, elections of Democrats in places like Iowa, again, if they uh, get things changed there. So it's, that's all I'm interested in now, uh, more so than, than the rest of those conversations, since uh, where we're at is where we're at. Uh, for better or for worse, if you like it or you dislike it, it's it's the world we live in now. The rules are what they are. Uh, I have been intrigued by uh, the changes in, in, say, law in some places. All right, other top five at five. Again, trying to go quicker, already way out of time. Still have a bunch left. Uh, the Powerball jackpot hits $725 million. If you win, there's a tax bill. I think that's the CNBC headline on this, which is a Debbie Downer of a headline because I don't care. Uh, I'll pay the taxes if I get 725 million free dollars uh, all of a sudden overnight. That sounds amazing. Uh, there was no winner Monday. I think the next drawing is on Wednesday. I do love one aspect of whenever this is a story that's in the news, whether it's the Mega Millions, the Powerball, uh, when it gets to ridiculous uh, closing in on a billion uh, type of numbers is a lot more people buy tickets, and that makes sense. And then a lot more people have the conversation, what would you do if you want a whole bunch of money? We even do it a lot in, in broadcasting. Uh, most, I think, radio, television can't resist it when the number gets high enough. What would you do if you uh, if you want all that money? I'm not asking you that. I just find it uh, sort of nice, and here's my spin on it, uh, that we still, as, as a people uh, in the United States, have that kind of hope in common. Uh, that most of us, it doesn't matter if you're Republican, a Democrat, doesn't matter uh, what, um, you know, your race is. It doesn't matter man, woman, like none of those things come into play. If the Powerball gets high enough or the, the Mega Millions gets high enough and you show up and buy a ticket, a part of you, that hopeful part in your brain uh, starts to think, maybe I'm going to win this thing and I need to have a plan. I mean, I got to find a lawyer. I got to reach out to people. Maybe I can build a trust so I don't have to uh, do it myself. Uh, there's all versions of answers to that that I think people provide. And I, I just entertain by that. I like that, that. There's a hopefulness in some place in our society still when it comes to um, a, a genuinely terrible chance of any of us winning a crap ton of money all of a sudden and then probably not doing great things with it because uh, with that massive amount of change in your wealth, I don't think many people are prepared uh, for the person who does defeat the odds of math and win. Uh, a couple other quick things. Uh, I'm just going to fire them out for top five at five. There's a lot of really bad flooding right now in the Northeast. 
uh, catastrophic flooding uh, that has swamped Vermont's capital and other places. Uh, roads are buckled. Homes and businesses are damaged after major flooding in, uh, you know, as I said, areas in the Northeast. Uh, these stories wind up being at the, the top of, of a lot of, um, I think, uh, broadcast or, or television media uh, discussions. They should be. Uh, they're also very important uh, stories and, and things that matter. Uh, but it feels like we're stacking up a lot of environmental conversations. Triple-digit uh, temperatures persist throughout the southwest is another a big headline out there. And I'm not saying this because I'm trying to make the pivot uh, that some make to other things. I'm just saying this because I find it um, somewhat interesting. Um, um, I'm not even going to try to say that I'm, I'm insinuating conspiracy theory or anything here, uh, that there are so many stories like this in the news all seeming to happen at the same time. Uh, but maybe, and this is a weird thought uh, that I had to kind of end this, uh, these stories are almost, um, I, I, I want to choose the word very carefully, uh, a, a opportunity, I hate that I just use that word, uh, by media to not talk about politics and focus on something that probably actually matters. Uh, people in, in life or death situations throughout our, our you know country or the world are things that I think news media used to focus on more uh, than the fact that Trump or Biden or someone uh, leads news coverage on a nightly basis. So I just thought that was a unique byproduct of the amount of weather-related stories uh, that are in the news and people who are uh, in danger in parts of our, our country. Uh, but again, uh, it's also immediately being shifted to politicians and what the problem is and what they're saying they're doing to fix the problem. And then a lot of meteorologists that usually say that weather events are not exactly tied to things like global warming. Uh, so it's a bit of a jump in, in that conversation to say that this or that catastrophe or whatever it is that's happening is is somehow an example of how politicians need to do stuff. Because uh, not necessarily, or at least not the stuff they're focusing on, uh, the going and trying to repair things and help people, uh, that kind of stuff. That feels way more important. All right, quick break, a lot more. 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show. Uh, more text coming in uh, now that I've, I guess, um, released the crack in, in the world of telling people that I get some spammy or just odd uh, text. I'd like more information uh, sometimes, and it would be great if you give me more context. I got a text from someone who asked me, uh, since I talked about getting my FOID card, and how eventually, uh, after I would be trained to use one properly, I intend to eventually buy a gun. Uh, that's just to place I'm at in my life right now. It's something I would like to do. Uh, and it's something I have the right to do, even here in the state of Illinois, uh, where people might not all understand that. Someone asked me, wouldn't I be afraid of sleepwalking and shooting uh, someone or firing the gun? Uh, no. Uh, that's a very specific uh, ask in the world of fear, and it makes no sense to me whatsoever. Do we even have, like, a lot of stories where that occurs? I'm, I'm assuming the person uh, was not asking the question genuinely, and yet I wanted to sort of answer it, uh, mostly because of how entertained I was by the specificity of it, that um, someone would actually ask that question. And again, if I'm if I'm catering to the trolls now, that's fine. I don't care. Uh, there are a lot of nice texts coming in, too. Uh, one person said they'd love to hear more Mark Strauss on the show. Uh, from a 309, I guess someone that actually used to live near him. I'm not going to say where. I don't want to put any addresses or anything out there. I'm I'm down with that. Uh, you guys let Mark know. Uh, figure out how we get him on more, uh, more because Mark is a friend of mine uh, who's coming on uh, out of the uh, you know kindness of being my buddy 
and doing the show. He's a professional broadcaster that's not getting paid to be here. Uh, so I don't know how to get him on more, but you let me know and we'll figure it out because he's, he's great. Uh, sometimes we disagree on stuff and I don't care about that either, uh, cause it's good. It's, uh, valuable and, uh, actually disagree with other guests too. Uh, it's fine with me or disagree with you. Uh, texters, uh, 309-340-4464. The world will stay one, uh, thing. Uh, we won't fall apart if we don't all agree on stuff. I saw this. I love this. Um, a jewelry maker in the UK is selling a new $2,000 uh, a jewelry item that's designed to go on Crocs. It's something that could even look exactly like an engagement ring, uh, but it's something you do to essentially bedazzle uh, your ridiculous shoe uh, that I actually really like Crocs. And I stopped talking about them a couple of years ago because I'm in the minority, uh, but the ease of Crocs is great. I don't think I'd ever spend $2,000 to put a jewel on it unless, well, I win the uh, Powerball and then I have a ridiculous set of millions. Then who knows? Then maybe not. Uh, or maybe I would, I mean. Uh, but this is a real. It's out there and it's gone viral. It's a it's a um, word I'm not going to try to say on the radio because I'm worried I'm going to say it a way that's definitely wrong. Uh, but it is uh, a company that actually specializes in ridiculous um, uh, items that you then add to ridiculously cheap um, shoes, uh, the Crocs specifically, which I thought was just uh, designed to be like basically not a shoe. Uh, but you could wear it outside. You could put uh, other clothing items with it, and then people basically make fun of you uh, the entire time. Uh, I still like it a lot, though. The the crock is just so easy uh, without the jewelry. All right, I'm going to let Will do some news. Stop talking about crocs. Good story, bad story coming up after the news. 1470, 100.3, WMBD. It's the Craig Collins Show. Thrilled to have you with us. Lots of stuff to talk about out there in the world. Uh, first, it's time for good story, bad story. Uh, this is where I tell you something that is good that happened uh, that restores your faith in humanity. And then I tell you something that is bad that happened that does not do any of those things. But let's go good story first. I have a bunch, so maybe I'll do uh, more than one today. It feels like a more than one day. A guy from Tennessee was planning to propose to his girlfriend on a beach in South Carolina this month and realized he dropped the ring in the sand and didn't know where. Uh, luckily, a 15-year-old kid happened to be there with a metal detector and found the ring in 45 seconds. The amount of, of panic that probably goes through your brain and then eventually being like, uh, I don't know how this is going to be fixed. And then a, a kid is there and they can solve the problem. It, I don't know. I, I imagine it takes you hours to actually get over the totality of that 45 second um, roller coaster that was. Uh, but I actually think there's some uh, audio uh, that winds up being tied to it. Well, not this story. Actually, I got another story uh, that I have good audio for. So this uh, has a bit of a, a bad story component in it, but it winds up being a good story. Uh, three jerks pranked an eight-year-old kid at a Target in uh, Connecticut. They were claiming to be connected to a famous YouTube celebrity uh, who does a lot of, like, giving away stuff to people. Uh, they told the kid his name is Gabe, that he could fill up a shopping cart with anything he wanted and that they'd buy it. And then as soon as he started to do that, they uh, ran away. And so the kid wound up being heartbroken because he thought he wound up with a, a really, I guess, believable for people who were uh, raised on, on YouTube and know um, YouTubers like Mr. Beast uh, as the guy referenced here. Uh, but what I think is kind of cool that even though uh, there's, there's an odd component to this story in, uh, you know, you didn't get free stuff and uh, maybe it's a life lesson that everybody doesn't get free stuff, uh, but it was just a mean prank. So uh, the community raised over 400 bucks, gave it to Gabe as a gift card to Target, and told him to go buy whatever he wants with $400. I think in the video he had spent more than 400 very quickly. Uh, but here's a little bit of the audio of what Gabe and his dad felt uh, as far as a reaction from people uh, that saw an 8-year-old get tricked by 
um, you know, adults and then seem very, very upset and be willing to, to do something heartwarming. Said that they wanted to do a fill the car challenge where we would be blindfolded within 30 seconds, whatever we could put within the cart, they'll pay for. My heart sank uh, 100%. It broke my heart because I thought my dreams were coming true. My son leaned in and said that he couldn't hear them because he had to wear hearing aids. And they said that's why we are choosing you for this challenge because because of the hearing loss. I pick out Nerf guns, water balloons, and water guns. Made me feel heartwarming and happy yes that's awesome uh, the way that ends especially when you find out that the kid is is someone with uh, special needs it just makes the people who pranked him absolute uh, jerks just absolute pieces of crap and there's a lot of pieces of crap in the society we live in right now who just i, I don't get that uh, to be honest um a lot of things that go viral on social media seem like people just being jerks in some way shape or form to other strangers or even their own family uh, there's people who go viral that just like screw up their own houses and then they laugh about it. And then kids love to watch what seem to be adults or at least teenagers uh, doing really dumb things. And then the parents are always uh, at wit's end, but uh, very few of them probably go viral and actually make money. And a lot of other people do it too, but awful uh, story, but good, happy ending. And now here's just a, a bad story uh, to end good story, bad story. I don't know why this happens. I, I have a genuine uh, question as to why when someone is, somehow not having things go their way in some in some sort of way that they eventually also get naked. But there's a lot of stories of people getting naked. I assume drugs or alcohol are involved. Uh, a man was arrested in Vegas after he uh, had some problems at a poker table. Uh, then I guess was gyrating on the poker table and then eventually walked outside and stripped naked. Uh, this all happened before 11.22 p.m. on a Sunday. Uh, when police arrived, they said they had to fight uh, the guy uh, before eventually. And, like, to be honest, I know there's a lot of um, um, important reasons that I can tell you that cops are, are such a valuable part of our community, that they serve and protect, that they run toward uh, danger, and they do things that a lot of us are unwilling to do. Uh, but these are also good stories to remind us how important cops are. Because when there's a naked guy outside of Flamingo, uh, Las Vegas Hotel and Casino, uh, that's been doing some crazy stuff inside, it's the cops that have to corral that dude. And I don't want that role. I don't want that job. I don't want to be anywhere near uh, that situation. And they they show up and they're probably like, man, this is not a day I wanted. And then they they figure it out. Uh, they solve the problem. They arrest the dude and he will be in trouble for uh, a lot of things. Uh, he actually also had a previous uh, set of things on his record. So even more so uh, in trouble for things. But that is definitely a bad story uh, where someone decided that they wanted to make their day as terrible as possible. So they, they just upend their bad decisions with more bad decisions. All right. One other thing, and I'm disappointed as I, as I mentioned this, um, uh, kind of quickly here and then we'll uh, take a break in a bit. Um, I'm disappointed there aren't 7-Elevens in town. I like Casey's. I'm a fan of Casey's, but I'd like some 7-Elevens. Uh, actually, Texter's 309-340-4464. I know I could do this on the Internet, too. Uh, where's the closest 7-Eleven? How far do I have to go? Uh, it's 7-Eleven day, uh, which means it's free Slurpee day, uh, which means anywhere that has a 7-Eleven, uh, you can walk in and get a sweet, sweet free Slurpee, uh, which actually, actually also tell me that, uh, people on text message. 309-340-4464. Uh, what's the best not Slurpee but sort of like a Slurpee uh, drink you can get? 
I've been to uh, Emo's and I've had their slushy thing. I've been to a bunch of places, but there's nothing quite like the Slurpee people. So I would like a, I would like a suggestion. I would like one uh, thing out there that I can get on Slurpee Day, uh, since it's not a 7-Eleven uh, drink that we can get here, that at least gets me as close as possible. Uh, that is a, a simple request, uh, a simple ask I have for you, anyone out there uh, listening that's willing to help out and play along. All right, I'm going to take a break. Uh, after the break, a lot more to talk about in the world of uh, some serious stuff, uh, but mostly uh, sillier stuff, because uh, Tuesdays are great days on this show. Uh, Mark Strauss joins me for an hour, and uh, we talk about a lot of things, uh, but some of that probably uh, winds up getting uh, heavier for some. So we're going to end with uh, light in just a bit. Uh, but 1470, 100.3, WMBD, it's the Craig Collins Show, probably one or two uh, serious, and then mostly light, uh, back in just a bit. 1470. 100.3 WMBD. It's the Craig Collins show. Let's just do, uh, one serious thing and then we'll move on to silly things, uh, for the last part of the show today. Uh, here is the, the serious thing. Uh, Nikki Haley, uh, did a uh, pretty long interview, uh, with Fox News. And one of the things she said, uh, which is being reported on, talked about a lot, uh, was about Ukraine and NATO and whether or not Ukraine would at some point in the near future or maybe not so near future, uh, become a part of NATO. Uh, it would be, uh, to me, probably uh, something that does not benefit a lot of the countries of NATO during a conflict with Russia because it changes uh, that conflict entirely. So I would be sort of shocked if anything in the world of NATO and Ukraine happens while they're still in uh, conflict with Russia uh, because, again, that would essentially trigger all of NATO countries to have to defend uh, Ukraine like it was an attack on their own country. So essentially – if Ukraine joins NATO, all the countries of NATO are declaring war on Russia, more or less, or I guess expecting Russia to back down. And if they don't, then stuff happens. Uh, but here, I want to play this audio because I do think it's interesting uh, what Nikki Haley said. We don't have to give money. We don't have to put troops on the ground. It changes nothing for us to have Ukraine be able to become a part of NATO. And more than that, tell you, Neil, is when this is all said and done, Ukraine is going to be one of our best allies. They're going to have one of the strongest fighting forces, and they're going to be incredibly good for us, just similar to the way Israel is. We have to see foreign policy and national security 10, 20, 30 years out, not tomorrow, not next month, not this next year. And that's been the problem with what's happened with these administrations one after the other, and it's why Putin and China continue to wait out a president, because you don't have anyone leading it for the long haul. We've got to do that. We've got to do a lot of things, uh, according to Nikki Haley. But one of the things that doesn't matter right now to someone who would be a, a big uh, supporter of Ukraine and, and are uh, helping Ukraine would be them joining NATO. That changes nothing. And I find that just the simple uh, articulation of that uh, fascinating. Uh, real quick, before I move on to anything else, it is Taco Tuesday at the VFW. If you're listening to this right now at the VFW in Peoria Heights, uh, you can head on over for Sweet Sweet Taco Tuesday. I think they had one week where they, they didn't have um, uh, tacos going on, um, but I'm, I'm fairly certain that they're back and open today. And actually let me know if they're not any of the people from the VFW that are listening, uh, because I know that the uh, main cook there uh, just had a kid. Uh, but the phone number to call is 309 682 9875 to check on Taco Tuesday, 309-682-9875. Also, uh, to just swing in, 1505 East Lake Avenue in Peoria Heights, 1505 East Lake Avenue. Uh, best tacos in town, according to my wife, who's from Mexico. Uh, beyond just the uh, tacos, they have 
um, a great set of things you can do at the bar. You can play uh, the games in the back, the the gambling. Uh, my favorite thing about anybody who plays the machines, and I've uh, lost a little bit of money on those, is you walk out and you're like, ah, I just donated money to the VFW uh, in Peoria Heights, and they do good stuff uh, with the money they get, uh, the money that goes beyond anything that's supporting the bar. They're very philanthropic, and you've heard multiple stories of how they give back and find new ways to give back to the community. So it can sting a little less. If you do, go ahead and try to win some money and wind up losing. And whatever the cut is the VFW gets, uh, you know it's going to uh, good stuff. But uh, the people there are great, and I highly recommend uh, hanging out at the Peoria Heights uh, VFW. My wife and I go uh, quite a lot, so you'll probably see us there, depending on when you go. Uh, Some other things out there, uh, just ending the show and sort of um, less uh, political, uh, somewhat less serious uh, topics. Uh, one in three Americans choose to have a sleep divorce to save their marriage. I see stories like this pretty much every year. Uh, a recent survey of 2,000 adults uh, showed the couples are using earplugs, eye masks, silent alarms, tucking into bed earlier or later uh, than someone they're sharing uh, their bed with, and then doing everything and anything they can to essentially not just fully sleep in a different room. Uh, my wife and I have not had all these problems. Uh, not all of these are, although she sometimes does wear earplugs. Uh, when she says I'm, I'm too much of a, a worm, uh, meaning I'm moving around too much at night and not falling asleep when she does, uh, she's thrown in earplugs before and says they don't bother her. Um, so that's a thing that's worked. Um, but other than that, uh, we've never had any of the other things, the eye mask, the silent alarm, any of that stuff. But I don't think I'd, I'd feel upset if at the end of the day she's like, you just have to sleep in a different room. You know, you just you just can't when it's time to go to sleep, when it's time to actually uh, close the eyes and not be awake anymore. I I don't know. I'm not going to do it. I I don't have a desire to be sleep divorced myself, but I wouldn't judge anybody that has that situation uh, because I guess a a odd product of uh, being married in the first place is the the whole uh, sleeping part together, not the other stuff, but the sleeping part together. And I don't know why that's a thing. I don't know. Um, and some people just split up the bed. Some people sleep in a completely different room. I, I, again, don't judge anybody for any of that stuff, but I'm the bad one in the sleep situation. So that's why I also don't need any of that stuff in my life. My wife goes to bed much quicker and uh, much earlier uh, than I usually do. She falls asleep so fast. I think that's part of the problem because I'm a guy who's awake for a while. Uh, other stuff out there uh, that I thought was interesting, a woman went viral for saying she gave in to someone who got mad at her for reclining her seat on a plane. Uh, So a person was just doing the typical recline thing, and someone behind got mad, said, you're going too far, something like that. And she gave in and flew the the entire seven-hour flight uh, without um, putting her seat back again. And then she went on the Internet and asked the Internet if she did the right thing, if the other person did the right thing. She even had a drawing uh, to show how things were going on. I guess someone was working in the seat behind her. And so the person working said, if you tilt my seat, I can't uh, get on my computer comfortably. Uh, but she asked the question, and I'll, I'll provide the answer. Yeah, you, you shouldn't have done that. You shouldn't give in. It's your seat. Uh, the uh, reclining of the seat is one of the uh, very few joys of being on a plane uh, with the amount of space we have in today's world. So if you have the chance and you do it, uh, do not look back. Do not listen to anyone who complains in the opposite way. I remember one time our seats got changed on a plane because we couldn't recline them. Uh, we were in the very last row, and the plane wasn't totally full. And I asked the, the flight attendant, I'm like, hey, these seats don't recline. And she's like, oh, I'll just move you. It was super easy and quick. And so I think for that reason and several others, you should never get it, give in to someone who's going crazy. I've also had, like, the kick seat thing. I feel like a lot of us have. 
And I don't say anything uh, if it's a kid. And I, I feel like I should, but I don't. I just, I just accept that my seat's going to be kicked for the entirety of my plane. And I, I don't know. I, I, I should change that, I, I think, at least a little. I feel like the parents should notice it. You know, part of me, it's probably why I don't want to get in a fight with a child on a plane. <laughs> but that's me. I'm not saying that's the right move. I don't do that. Uh, another thing I saw out there, this isn't exactly a light and uplifting, but I do find it interesting. Hospital nurses and doctors are ready to change professions, according to a new study, uh, based on a whole bunch of what they're calling just burnout. But over the last few years, certainly in the world of medicine, and especially in the world of, I think, day-to-day on-the-ground people, uh, like nurses, uh, I would probably be burned out too. Uh, but the COVID-19 pandemic, all the additional questions, uh, led a national nationwide survey to find out of 21,000 50 um, uh, doctors and nurses that a majority of them want to not do this anymore. 87% agreed that improving uh, nursing staff and other uh, things would be good for their well-being. 45% of doctors agreed that uh, fixing uh, some of the work conditions would be good. 95% of those who uh, worked in hospitals during the pandemic uh, said that it was obviously a, a difficult time uh, to remain in their profession. And then a staggering 82% of nurses uh, surveyed by National Nurses United reported experiencing at least one workplace violent experience uh, during the COVID-19 pandemic that made them truly question if they wanted to keep their job. Uh, I don't know uh, what that entails exactly, uh, who and why, uh, people were being violent. Uh, but, you know, I'll say one other thing, and this is not uplifting, uh, but yet it, it dovetails off of that, uh, that in Mexico they started to beat the crap out of nurses. Uh, and I remember Betty telling me about that, that nurses would be going home at the end of their shift and they just get, like, beat up uh, horribly in the street. And I think the reason that was happening there was people were afraid, or I, I don't want to, ex- like, try to explain the behavior. It's, it's horrible uh, that the nurses were bringing COVID into their communities. And so it's surreal to me. Uh, sometimes that people uh, still do those jobs, uh, not just here in our country. And we obviously need them to do these jobs, but in other countries when facing stuff like that. Uh, but the thing about uh, what Betty said is that in Mexico, uh, the nurses who were not like beaten uh, kept going back to work. It's almost like a pride thing. You almost like stand up and and look as though uh, people can't force that away from you. But the survey says that now uh, with the time being different, uh, there are a lot of people who would like to give up on that profession. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, one last story uh, to touch on just very quickly right before Will fires off some news. I just thought it was interesting. Uh, Carmen Electra is in the news. Uh, she was talking, well, in the news is probably a strong word. Uh, she's in the New York Post uh, talking about how uh, she's been on a unique website for a while and people have weird interests. Uh, but one of the things she said she never expected were a lot of requests for just photos of, of her feet. And so she didn't know why that was. She said it cracks her up. Uh, she takes the photo for anyone that asks. And all I will say in response to that awkward way to end the show, I don't get it either. Uh, Carmen Electra, it doesn't make sense to me. Uh, but people go on that website, ask you for that, and uh, you laugh your way through taking those photos.